Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. We all know sustainability is on the corporate agenda for most companies today, and for good reason. We also know brands and retailers have been focused on meeting customer needs and delivering better customer experiences. So I wanted to explore how these two corporate agendas and vectors come together. And who better to talk about that and has had a foot on both skis than Laura Phillips. Laura is an industry and retail expert in sustainability, but has also had responsibility for meeting and delivering and delighting customers in merchandising roles and across many others. So Laura, welcome to the program. And I'd like to start by asking you to tell us about your journey through uh, your career and how it's gotten to this point. Great. Thank you so much, Andy. It is just a privilege to be with you today on It's a Customer's World podcast. You are one of my favorite marketers and people, uh, and it's just a privilege to be here today talking to you. So a little bit about my journey. Um, I started working in retail, in fact, when I was in college and had to kind of complete a summer internship and thought I would just be in retail for you know a summer and then get back to kind of finance, which is where I thought I was headed in out of business school. But I loved retail. I loved working in a store, working with customers, selling products, working with suppliers. And um, I then jumped in with two feet, spent uh, more than 25 years with Walmart in various roles, lots in merchandising and sourcing, transformation projects. And one of the career highlights of mine has been really working in sustainability and thinking about how do we kind of take products and figure out how to make them more sustainable, really work way back in supply chains, rewire supply chains to embed sustainability from an environmental and social perspective to make those even better for customers. And bringing those two things together is really what I'm passionate about. So I'm happy to be here today to talk more about that and answer some questions. Oh, well, this is just a privilege for me. And again, I've loved watching you through your career career, and loved working with you at Walmart. So it was always a joy to uh, dive in. And, and, you know, I think what people don't understand sometimes is that, you know, retail can be tough. And I've always found you to have that glasses half full attitude, which seemed to be able to move the needle on a lot of hard things in various ways. We'll come back to this. But one of the things you said was your first impression really of a retail career. And a lot of students probably are looking at retail as like, is that folding sweaters in a department store? You know, do I really want to do that? And so today we've got some questions from students about uh, your career and what uh, what your experiences have been in, in the sustainability space. And we'll get those to the end. But let's start with the consumer. Um, you know, I was in the UK and had a, an opportunity to work there. Um, it felt like the 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 consumer, the community was very uh, sustainability centric and 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 the consumer could move very fast in making up their mind about what they want and don't want in sustainability. Plastics, single-use plastics came on the radar and it moved very fast, faster than the retailers could keep up or supply chain. Uh, and yet back in the U.S., I'm not sure I see this same uh, consumer pull through. And I could be wrong because I've not worked in that space like you have. 
Where is the consumer today in looking at uh, these areas of sustainability and how important is, to, is it to the consumer? Yeah, great question. And I would tell you, Andy, when I started working in sustainability, when we started doing our work at Walmart, you know, we were one of the first companies to really kind of pioneer this space of sustainability through the lens of business. And so this was more than 15 years ago. And at that time, I would tell you, you know, the consumer wasn't really there. And we thought, well, you know what? We're going to take this on because uh, we're going to learn. It's going to make us better at retailers. It's going to help us understand more about our supply chains. And we're going to see what we can do. And so we got started, right? And mm -hmm. what we found is that actually we could drive change, right? And that we could make a small change in a product formulation, in a packaging format, in a material that we were using. And that would ripple through the industry and that we could really deliver more sustainable products to the customers. And sometimes we would tell them, you know, and at that time, sometimes we wouldn't. We would just yeah. do the hard work. And over time, what we did see was that more and more customers started to ask and they started to want to know more about where did their products come from? How are these products are made? You know, what's inside these products? And they started to um, ask that of brands and of retailers. And so you're starting to see that consumer pull more and more. And in particular, in certain categories, right? So mm. in kind of food categories, personal yeah. care. Um, baby, pet, um, a lot of those categories, the consumer, you know, I like to say they want to shine a light and they want right. to see all the way back into those supply chains and see what you're up to. And you need to be able to kind of stand in the light mm -hmm. and say, here's what we're doing. We're really transparent about our practices. We're doing the hard work so that you can trust us when you come shopping in a store, online, buy our products, that we've done all that to create a more sustainable product. So um, absolutely, I think to your point in the UK, maybe they're a little bit ahead, but the US consumer savvy, and they're certainly demanding of brands and retailers to take action and to continue to innovate in the space. Well, I know we were learning a lot from what Walmart was doing in sustainability from a, a business standpoint that was able to import into the UK, which is kind of nice to see that happen. Um, you talked about when this started in 2005-ish, I think, maybe mm -hmm. if I got that right. Um, there was a lot of work to engage associates. Uh, and you mentioned that breaking things down to what you can do little things and I seem to remember this like personal sustainability pledge, right? Yeah. Where it just kind of Lee Scott challenged everybody on what one thing you can do every day. Is that, you know, tell me about yeah. that. How did that work? Yeah, no. And I think one of the lessons I learned in working with sustainability is that, you know, these are big, complex, kind of difficult topics at times. And to really be able to drive the impact that you need to drive within a company, you got to get everybody on board, right? You right. need the full team engaged. Right. And that means, you know, all the way from the top at the CEO level down to all of the frontline associates, you know, whether they're working in stores, in distribution centers, if you're a brand, if they're a brand manager. And so, you know, how do you really kind of bring all of that muscle to bear against these really hard problems, right? And so one yeah. of the ideas was this personal sustainability plan. And it was how could we really let Walmart leverage our associate base to take on these issues kind of just one at a time and then see what they could do with them. And I would tell you, Andy, it is amazing, right? And to this day, what I love about kind of the approach that Walmart's taken in sustainability is the business people are doing the work, right? And so We'd see, you know, an idea from an associate in a store about how to improve recycling hmm. or how to um, consider donations in uh, reducing food waste or how to save on energy, maybe through refrigeration or lighting. And, you know, a lot of those ideas at the scale of a company like Walmart um, can really make a difference. And so it was really fun to see the ideas from the associates and to see, you know, what what could matter at scale and the impact.
Well, I, I don't know if this is folklore or not, but I heard a story once where an associate in a break room like unscrewed a light bulb in a vending machine, right? Is that, and yes. then it turned into huge savings. Yeah, that is a true story where, and it's exactly the story where she said, hey, you know what, why is, why are we lighting right. the, you know, this uh, vending machine in a break room? You know, mm. um, it's not on the sales floor. And so what if we just don't do that? And what would the energy savings be? Well, it turns out she's right, you know, so that saved energy, by the way, that saves cost, and it also reduced emissions. So I love it. Um, the great win. I love it. Well, you can get pretty far by engaging associates, but you probably could get a lot further even still with suppliers. And so uh, how did you build a supplier engagement? Mm-hmm. And by the way, becoming more customer centric requires a lot of collaboration with suppliers too. Yeah. So this idea of collaborating with suppliers to create change and innovation yeah. is really been a hallmark of your career mm-hmm. uh, and, and how you've done things. So What's what's the secret to some great collaboration to get that kind of innovation and engagement? No, that's great. So collaboration, I think, Andy, is really is key, right, in terms of taking on big challenges and really working for the long term. So, you know, certainly within sustainability, let me answer from that perspective yep. first and then uh, another, you know, kind of merchant perspective as well. You know, we found in sustainability that actually the impact from Walmart, you know, 90 percent or so is actually not in our own footprint. Right. So outside of just our stores and our warehouses and our and it's really back in all of those product supply chains. And so, you know, who's responsible for those? It's the suppliers. And so we knew we'd have to bring the suppliers in. We'd have to bring them along on the journey and we'd have to work together collaboratively to come up with solutions that worked for them, you know, worked for us and ultimately worked for the customer. And um, I think I'm really you know, excited about the work to date and and uh, so many suppliers are engaged. You know, I think Walmart has over 4,500 engaged in Project Gigaton. That's great. By the way, wow. there's more to it's come. Huge. Wow. So more to do if uh, if you're not involved yet. Um, but but that just speaks to kind of the 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 number of suppliers and the opportunity. Um, but I would tell you, I learned that uh, approach in terms of engaging suppliers and collaborating from my days as a merchant. Right. And I would see as a merchant, you know, and I I told I would mm. tell you I tried different tactics over the years, and and you know I'd try to be t- off and, mm-hmm. and try this and that. And what I found really worked was building a relationship based on trust, really listening, you know, to what the supplier needs, you know, truly right. you hear that win-win, but like really delivering that right. is sometimes hard and then really working in the long term. And so um, not just taking a short term focus, but how can we, you know, together think about this for the long term? Um, those would be just some of the best practices. But, you know, sometimes it's hard, right? And we get in our own way. Well, those are great learnings. And boy, you know, what a delightful environment when it does come together, right? Mm-hmm. And you really are in flow and in zone with the whole uh, associates and suppliers working together with, mm-hmm. the, with the merchants and such. You know, one of the trickiest jobs I would assume from a merchant, I've never done that role. It's one of the few I've not had that opportunity to do, but always wanted to, uh, is how do you um, make sure you're really being customer centric, uh, yeah. consumer centric, right? So you've got to pick out what you think is going to be on trend or what you think they're going to want, be able to buy it at scale, be able to work through all of that. Um, how tricky is it to know what consumers want and try and being and staying relevant? Yeah, no, great question. It's hard. And I would tell you as a merchant, you know, I had some winners and I had some losers. Oh, Andy. Yeah. In fact, there may be some of that inventory, you know, stuck in a store <laughs> or a warehouse um, from years ago. Still, uh, it's hard, you know, and um, and and I would tell you what one, one year um, I had, was so excited about a program that I had bought. 
And it was beautiful, Andy. It was just a yeah. thing of beauty. And got it into the stores, you know, pitched it into the operators. And lo and behold, you know, no customers bought it. Okay. Oh it gosh. was terrible. <laughs> and in fact, it was a perishable product. Isn't this? Oh, is, no. and, and, and you know what happens yeah. with perishable products? I mean, yeah. they, yeah. they die. It's waste. It's waste. Yeah. And so we literally have to throw it all down, throw it away. Right. So here comes one day, I'm sitting at my desk, the chief merchant over to my desk. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, he's coming to see me. You know how rare. <laughs> Yeah. Wonderful. And he walks over and he says, Laura, how did you enjoy your executive education program you went on last week? And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I was not anywhere. I was here. In fact, I didn't have a very good week last week. I was working on this problem. Yeah. And you might have heard about it, you know, anyway, he's like, yeah, that whatever the amount was we spent throwing away, he throws it out to me, that blah, blah, blah amount. That was your executive education program. <laughs> so, <laughs> on the job. Uh, on the job learning, you know, learn from it. And he was so great about like, let's learn mm. from it, what happened, but make no mistake, that's your learning. You know, don't go to too many of those yes. programs. <laughs> uh, so I would tell you like what I learned from that, right, yeah. is um, like you really do have to keep your fingertips and your brain, everything kind of geared towards the customer. Where are they headed? What's on their mind? What's resonating with them? You got to be really good at data, right? There's mm. so much data now. What are the trends? What's working? What are the exceptions? What am I learning every week, every day? And spend time immersing yourself in the data. Spend time out in the market. Walk stores. Watch yeah. people. What are they buying? Mm. Um, not just in stores, but how do they, um, you know, what are they wearing on the street in the airport? Uh, what's happening globally? You know, we learned so much uh, from ASDA, you know, when uh, mm. when you were there yeah, and yeah. others. Uh, and so just really being purposeful about learning, right? Mm -hmm. All the time, using data to learn, using all of your touch points to really learn where the consumer is headed. Uh, and then try to do your best. And sometimes you're going to have winners and sometimes you're going to have an expensive executive education course like I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I would imagine most merchants have had that on their list of things they've done, right? I mean, in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, if, if you haven't, you probably haven't been trying hard right. enough or swinging for the fences a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the things we have with the the college students is the SAM badge, and it's about power of observation. And so what I, what I heard you describe were really building your skills of observation, you know, just really observing what's happening and and being a student and curious of yeah. everything, it sounds like. That's right. And I think one of the other muscles to build is just a mindset of testing and learning, right? Mm. And so, you know, you may not get it right the first time, but, you know, just trying things. You know, I love hearing today about uh, a merchant who's taking 10, you know, a region, a district and trying something. Mm -hmm. um, that takes a little bit of extra work, but it's so worth it. Or a brand who's, you know, launching something new and then a small way learning and iterating. And I just think that mindset of, you know, kind of always kind of testing and learning and being curious about where the customer's headed um, is in the long run going to pay off while it may take a little bit more time and investment in the front end. Yeah. When the nice thing is take a handful of stores, get yeah. it out there quick. You know, the speed of that is pretty easy to execute some, I, mean, I kind of say that loosely, but I mean, the ability to have a test lab mm -hmm. uh, is really a smart way to, to work yeah. it out and try to understand right. it. And in today's world, you know, online, you see that so many times, you know, trying new things uh, online and then, you know, seeing where they go. Right. Um, and so I think that muscle is so important. Excellent. Well, one of the things that's happening, uh, Laura, is this omni-channel, as you know very well, you had a role in the omni-channel space. Um, and... A thing that I really enjoyed and working with you back when I was at Walmart is your passion for the in-store experience. And I'm talking about mm -hmm. really the work you did in electronics. Mm -hmm. I mean, you spent a lot of time thinking about and working through every detail on how mm -hmm. could you elevate the electronics shopping experience. Yeah. Um, in today's omni-channel 
interconnected world, how important is the in-store space? Is it still as relevant as it mm-hmm. used to be? Uh, are the expectations different for browsing or discovery? I mean, mm-hmm. how do you think about the in-store environment in a omni-channel connected commerce way? Yeah. Um, You know, I would tell you in my learning, I found that the in-store experience was always so important, right? So after, you know, you really focused on assortment, you know, and and I would say Mm -hmm. you got to go work assortment two or three times and price, you know, uh, the experience is just so, so important. And even more so today, I think, right, customers are coming into stores and they want that you know, more immersive experience. They want to kind of get inspired by what you're presenting in the stores and how you, you know, bring the body language of retail and brands and products to the customer in the store, I think is so important. And it's it's also so important online, right? And how that shows up with the customer experience, whether that's content or how you're able to engage with them online. Uh, so, you know, in store, I, you know, I learned from, from some great folks in retail who were always challenging, but also really approached it in a simple way. And, and I just wanted to kind of share that, you know, the, the, how I, how I learned. And it was really around starting with helping customers find things, right? So navigation, like, where is it? Um, and that's relevant in store and online, right? And it's relevant from when you walk in to find the department, find the product, and then kind of what is it, right? So, um, you know, being really clear about what is the product and and how do we um, really show that off, whether it's a display, a demo, yeah. product content, and then how much is it? And like fundamentally, if you can, you know, answer those three things with, you know, ease and, and customers only have a couple seconds. So like help them right. find it, help them figure out what it is and how much is it. Uh, you're going to really convert that traffic and, and you know, bring some fun while you're doing that. Yeah. Um, and I would try to apply that. And um, I think retailers today, you see so many good examples yeah. um, of, of people continuing to innovate and take it to a whole new level and integrate some of the, you know, the digital content. It's exciting. Retail is so fun. And it I think fun. the store yeah, environment just continues to, to be that. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess my big learning in that time of, of trying to help from a marketing side, the in-store elements in electronics was... I really started to get an appreciation for what's on the packaging. And I was thinking about printers, you know, where they've got, everybody has a different view on what's important and how to describe features and no, no consistency. There wasn't back then. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to work through, well, what do they look for first and how do you um, communicate that so they can understand this choice versus that choice. And in the DC, in a DTC or an online space, they've got the item page and a lot more space to work that out. One of the things I see as a real challenge is people move from maybe an online space and start bringing those in store is probably haven't thought as much about what should be on the package because right. they had a whole website and a whole item page to tell all kinds of you know product information. So the any advice to people who are thinking about the importance of their packaging and yeah. how packaging really has to work hard in an in-store space. Right. No, I love that. And and I think that's in that second bucket, which is like, what is it? Right. That's I mean, right. You have to that's be right. really clear. Uh, you've got two to three seconds at shelf to kind of yeah. capture a customer's attention and then convert them right into mm-hmm. purchase. And so you've got to really be clear about what is that product and what are the most important features and benefits that you're putting on, on the packaging on the front. That's your billboard, right? And it's such an opportunity to capture the customer. Um, And, you know, you hope if they pick it up, they might turn it around. But you've really got to lead with that billboard. And, you know, I think the other thing we're learning about packaging, too, is it's more than just kind of a billboard for marketing. But customers today, and you mentioned it, you know, they're wanting us as brands to think about 
what's in that packaging and what, right. what is the customer going to do with that package after they use right. it? And so you're seeing a lot of innovation now on new packaging formats uh, yeah. that show the product really well, but maybe they're also reusable or they have yeah. another life, you know, yeah. um, beyond that use. And certainly, you know, customers are pushing all of us to move away from, you know, single use plastics and figure out recyclable materials. So I think packaging today serves so many interesting roles from marketing to supply chain now also into you know sustainability as well yeah well it's interesting i think with the omni channel so many categories now consumers through covid have figured out how to buy some essential categories online so when you come into a store i do think the expectation of a better browsing uh mm -hmm. environment because that's why they're there you know right. and it's an intentional Point to get into that store. And I just talked from my experience in, in the UK, which is most recent for me, we had a lot of categories that I would call um, over-assorted, under-choiced, mm -hmm. where we had lots of that, but the, but the real choice of what are the choices mm -hmm. I have on value, yeah. on this or that, but we might've had a category just get bloated by yeah. having too many same much of muchness as we'd mm -hmm. say, uh, because of a lot of reasons, you know, that's the space you got. So you got to fill it and yeah. you, you're not ready to do a macro redesign on space. Right. Um, so yeah, I do think that, that, um, packaging can be a real benefit in enhancing the browsing experience mm -hmm. as well as just choice. Cause you For can sure. really find discovery and, and all of that. I mean, and electronics is a cool place mm -hmm. to do discovery, right? Yeah. You really just want to go see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah um, excellent. Right. Well, um, you know, I've got some student questions that came in and we'd love to kind of go through those together. Sure. Uh, we always try to get, uh, when we can, um, Molly Raper, the professor of marketing at the University of Arkansas, and she kindly has sent us some questions for you if you're up for it. All right. Okay. Uh, now, the interesting thing here is Molly was your teacher at one point, right? That's but, right. Now, you know, I mentioned you're one of my favorite marketers. I have to say Molly is too. Yes, um, for and, sure. And certainly my favorite marketing professor. Okay. So Molly had given me some student questions to ask uh, for you, but she also wanted to ask a question of her own, given that you were a student. Uh, she said, Laura, I still remember the first day of your MBA program in 1999. I was teaching the marketing course for first years. I had given each of you two articles to read, pretty complicated ones, and your takeaways from the article were better than anything I would have developed. Wow, that says a lot. <laughs> Plus, you had found another article on your own that was related and shared that with me. In short, you were a joy in the classroom with a deep curiosity. Where does that curiosity come from? And what have you done over the years to maintain and grow your love of learning? Uh, well, first of all, um, again, Molly is one of my favorite professors, and that's such a kind uh, comment. Um, and I loved her class, and I learned so much. To this day, I literally have the course materials. This has been a long time from her course, uh, and I've kept them. And in fact, I've referred to some of them over the years. So thank you, Molly. Um, you know, I think that... Um, Curiosity is so important. And I think for me, I've just realized how it's been important in my career to kind of learn um, from everybody, you know, and to really read a lot and, you know, kind of stay up to date. Mm -hmm. Everything changes at retail so fast. The customer's changing so fast. Competitors are changing technology. And so really just being a student, you know, being a student of the customer, being a student of retail, being a student of the industry in sustainability, I really had a lot to learn. And so I really needed to rely on experts experts and, you know, really get out of my comfort zone and learn new things um, and how I would think about those challenges through the lens of retail. And so I've just always found that um, 
you know, I've needed that help and that support um, and and being curious, learning, listening has really been important to me in my career and continues to be important. Now I'm learning right now, Andy, from the work yeah. you're doing on connected commerce mm -hmm. and from retail media networks. You know, for all of us in the industry, there's always something new that to, to, to learn. One of my uh, favorite people and a mentor at the time was Bob Conley. Oh. Uh, love Bob. Yeah. And he, uh, he taught me, well, he gave me some advice when I went to Walmart was like, pay attention to the questions people are asking, especially at the officer meetings and wherever. Mm -hmm. But, but it just, it's, there was something about the, the, the culture around asking questions yeah. and being open and curious to ask questions is very part of the norm. And right. you can pay attention to the questions. And is that something that you found yeah. true in the culture? No, I love that. And I think this notion of kind of like learning from everybody, right? And right. so asking questions, whether it's in supplier meetings, whether it's, yeah. you know, working with operators, working with different teams, the marketing team, the finance team, um, and just really, you know, being curious to engage um, and to learn from everybody that you're interacting with. So, um, I think that's great advice from Bob. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's go to Katie Fowler. She's a sustainability minor in uh, the marketing program. And her question is, since many consumers believe that massive corporations have a reputation for environmental harm, how do you approach sustainable changes and, reg and regaining consumer trust? I think, you know, Katie, great question and one that a lot of brands and retailers are, you know, facing every day, right? And I think what I've seen is that, um, you know, so many companies and brands are taking this challenge on and they're really doing the hard work of getting into the details. I like to say like rolling up, you know, your sleeves and really working way back in supply chains, going all the way back to the farm, all the way back to the factory and just kind of figuring out, right, what's in the product, what's in the packaging, how can I have a more efficient production process? What happens at the end of life? And they're asking questions, Andy, yeah. um, about how they can do this better. And I would tell you so many are learning and we're seeing such great innovation um, and that ultimately able to deliver more sustainable products to customers. And so absolutely it's hard, but big companies have the opportunity to do this at scale yeah. and also have the resources to learn and to invest. And so um, I'm really optimistic about the role of big companies and business. And I think, you know, we're starting to see so many great examples of companies taking this on and truly making a difference at scale. Um, you know, companies need to, right? We know that uh, environmental footprint of, of, of our products in many cases um, is a driver of some of the uh, environmental challenges. And so um, we've all got to do our part and, uh, and take these challenges on. Excellent answer. And I can't tell you how many uh, folks I've talked with student-wise that believe they have to go into startups and entrepreneurism to uh, make a change in sustainability. I'm like, no, you can make it at, at scale. Yeah. There's so many big opportunities in corporate America to make right. a real difference. That's so right. another question, Arthur Comiskey uh, from Tulsa, he's a marketing and management major. What has been the most unexpected challenge you have faced in pursuing sustainable sustainability initiatives? Mm -hmm. Hi, Arthur. Great question. Um, you know, one of the things I think that I probably underestimated when I first started working in this space is that these big changes um, can take time. And also, you've got to have some kind of unlikely partners around the table to collaborate. And so those would be the two that I would share with you, Arthur. You know, one example I would tell you is in Tuna. 
Uh, you know, tuna sounds like a pretty straightforward product example. Uh, in fact, mm. it took, you know, more than 10 years. And I would tell you, um, teams around the world to this day are still working on how to make more sustainable tuna. It's been incredible progress, but it just takes a lot of time. And then the yep. second thing is just different people around the table. I learned that mm. too, that you've got to bring in maybe your competitors, uh, maybe, you know, your not just your suppliers, but their suppliers. Um, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, who's producing the raw materials or who runs the factory. Maybe it's an NGO. Um, and to really listen and learn, maybe it's a university. And so all of those people are required to kind of solve some of these challenges at the system level. You can't do it by yourself uh, no. and you can't do it overnight. No. And so kind of being able to kind of take on, uh, you know, work with others and work over a long period of time, um, you can do great things. I'm taking it this play well with others is a yeah. really important theme here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. Our next question is from Megan Mikelski. She's from Shreveport, Louisiana, marketing and management major. How can we as young adults make smaller, more realistic steps toward a more sustainable life as we live on budgets or below our means for the first few years of adulthood? Uh, great question. And I love, you know, you see the the this generation really being thoughtful and and you know asking these questions around what are the choices that you can make to be more sustainable? Do your research, right? And so absolutely look into companies, into products, understand their practices, uh, and then make your choices, you know, vote with your wallet, right? So if you see a company that's doing great work, shop there or a brand that you like, you know, buy that brand, comment about it uh, in your own social media and your own own platforms, you know, share with others what you're learning and what you're doing. And I'm a big believer in small changes really matter and they add up. And so these issues are big and they're hard, but, um, you know, one step at a time and every step matters. And so don't get overwhelmed that you're not making a difference. You are and your voice matters and your actions matter. I love it. I love it. Great answer. Uh, last one uh, from Kendall Wentworth, Fort Worth, Texas, supply chain management and marketing major. Uh, what is one thing you wish you were told when you were about to graduate college and enter the workforce and looking for a job? Great question. Um, you know, I think if I was to look back uh, into my career, I think some great advice that I've received has really been around being excellent, you know, always, mm -hmm. you know, kind of take in where you are, right? People are always kind of like, what's the next thing? You know, how do I get promoted? How do I get that job? Be excellent where you are now. Be the best student right now. Mm. Um, you know, get good grades, study, uh, you know, be involved in activities. So be excellent where you are and then go work on something that differentiates you. So go find something to be famous for. And I think that works as a student or once you're out in the real world and, you know, start your career. What are you going to be known for? You know, is it going to be Andy, you, you know, mm -hmm. are you known for innovation and marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you, you're you really, you know, unique. Um, but it could be you're going to be known in supply chain for your data analysis. It could be you're going to be known for your communication skills, your collaboration skills. Um, but be excellent where you are and then pick something to be famous for. And the final one is what we've talked about already today. Be curious hmm. um, and keep that curiosity for, you know, um, today and, and into your future. And um, you're going to do great things. I'm so inspired by the students that I'm working with at Walton now in different ways. This group is amazing yeah. and um, they're going to change the world. I love it. I love I love your attitude toward things. And, and I've manifest the, those values in you through your career as the times that I've had an opportunity to work with you on a project or see you in action. Um, but one thing I think you have that uh, you didn't mention is just um, you create an atmosphere where people want to work with you. Mm. The kindness, I'm sure you're tough at times, uh, but you've 
got a you know a way of being kind and 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 seeing the best in the toughest situations. And is that something you learned <laughs> early in life, or did you learn it the hard way at the end in of life, your career? I mean, where did that come from? Because uh, you really demonstrate a way that everybody wants to work with Laura. Oh, that's so nice. Um, I guess a couple of things. One, like, thank you. That was that's a that's a compliment. Um, you know, what two things? One is I I saw over time working on big hard things that 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 just worked better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? In fact, like working together with a lot of people, <laughs> other people have the answers. We're going to be better if we can all figure it out and we're going to just have more fun if we're all nice to each other and and get more done and and enjoy it as we're doing it. So I would say that. And then I think the other thing is there are times when I didn't do that that well. And mm. I'm really appreciative of the mental in my career who sat me down and said, now, Laura, that was not the right way. <laughs> and um, and I needed to learn those lessons. I'm so grateful for those leaders um, who took me aside and had those conversations. And by the way, that didn't just happen once or early on. I mean, that happened all the way until the, you know, <laughs> in, until today. And so I think all of us, you know, need to help each other in that. Well, having the self-awareness that, yeah, yeah, I got it. And, you know, I needed to hear that. And then right. that's happened to me many times as well. So it's, uh, <laughs> as you can imagine. And, uh, yeah, I, lo I love it. I love the honesty and transparency there. It really makes it for um, more trust. And you started yeah. really talking about trust at the beginning. And yeah. I think that's so important. Well, I want to thank Molly and the students for their questions. There were many more. I'll forward those over to maybe you could shoot them an email back oh, on the ones we didn't to. get to today for lack of time. But I uh, will thank her and her team for that. Uh, and thank you. It's been a real pleasure to get your time. Uh, anything you can hint to and towards what's next for you as you start to get involved in fingers in a lot of different pots. Yeah, I think it, it, it's uh, I'm excited to kind of think about chapter two and really be able to continue to build on all the things I love, which is working uh, with suppliers, working with brands, helping them win at retail and helping others to really advance sustainability and to accelerate. You know, um, I think we all know we have more work to do in that space. And um, and I'm excited to kind of bring those things together and and continue to play a role um, to advance, uh, advance the industry in those areas. For suppliers or retailers that might want to uh, follow up with you more and learn more about what you're doing or have questions around sustainability and some of your experiences, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Is there a LinkedIn? Um... Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, LinkedIn is such a great platform. I'm enjoying connecting through LinkedIn with so many people. Um, that'd be great. And like I said, I think these are um, these are areas where we can all work together. And so I'm certainly happy to, to help um, along the way. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure your LinkedIn profile and uh, address is in the show notes. And so thank you so much, Laura, for your time today. It's been a real pleasure and uh, best to you as you start to work on chapter two. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends, and I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas's Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Wilton College original production. 